This week we explore dementia, what it is, what symptoms it may produce, and how to deal with it. Bringing hope and healing. It's your source for personal growth, mental health, and interesting ideas. Thoughtful Mind with Svee. Here's your host, Svee Hilsenrath. And welcome back to Thoughtful Mind with Svee. I'm your host, Svee Hilsenrath. Today, I'd like to thank all the people that are listening in Annadale, New Jersey, this week's Gratitude City. So thank you to everyone in Annadale, New Jersey. As I've mentioned before, I do a lot of work in nursing homes, uh, in nursing facilities, and as such, I work a lot with people suffering from dementia and also working with families of people suffering from dementia. And so I thought I'd take this week to talk about what dementia is, uh, what some of the symptoms of dementia is, and what are some of the things a person can do to hopefully prevent dementia or address dementia. As medical and as healthy living techniques improve, uh, we're seeing an aging population. And although dementia is not always connected to aging, as we'll get to later on, uh, dementia is more common as people get older. So below 65, it's not so common. Between 65 and 85, it's common. And above 85, it's very common. Uh, what we call dementia is actually a group of different disorders, all having to do with a decline in function and thinking and all showing changes in behaviors. For most forms of dementia, uh, there's a progression. So the person, the dementia within the person will change over time. And with that, the thinking and the behaviors will get worse and will change. And the need for care for the person experiencing the dementia will get greater. Their self-care skills are less. There's more confusion. And so the further along the dementia progresses, the greater need there is for outside care. Dementia has no calendar, and so the progression for each person is different. And depending on the type of dementia and depending on the person, there might be long periods of stability between periods of decline in functioning and thinking. But I often tell families that have someone experiencing dementia, you know, they're caring for them, they want to know how long is this going to take. We don't know. It's going to take however long it takes, and there's no uh, calendar for when it's going to get worse or for how long it's going to stay how it is. To qualify as a dementia, a person has to experience uh, impaired memory functioning and then at least one other symptom. So their memory has to start going. They're forgetting things, people, places, words, and then at least one other of the following symptoms, either aphasia, which is a difficulty with language, either you're having a hard time uh, making meaningful sentences or naming specific things. Uh, Prixa is a difficulty with motor functioning. Uh, and they usually test this with uh, writing tests or drawing tests. And it's important to note that the drawing or writing difficulty is not due to a physical limitation like like arthritis or, or Parkinson's. Uh, agnosia is an inability to recognize familiar people or even familiar things. Um, again, even though the senses are unimpaired. So if a person can't recognize somebody because they're losing their eyesight, um, that is not agnosia. Also, if a person has difficulty with their executive functioning, so they have hard time with making decisions, with uh, complex reasoning, uh, doing compl- complex tasks, and that means, you know, things that are above very basic tasks, uh, they have a hard time planning. Again, a decline in executive functioning um, is another symptom of dementia. So a person has to have A, 
impaired memory functioning, and B, aphasia, praxognosia, or executive functioning decline. We're going to get into the different um, types of dementia and what they're more common symptoms of, but another common form of symptom of dementia is a person's declined ability to function in the social environment. So appropriate behaviors, abilities communicating with other people, abilities understanding another person's point of view, uh, also a, a decline in ability to work. Somebody's been working at a specific job for a long time and they can no longer do that or any job is another common symptom of dementia. So let's go through a few of the common types of dementia, the major types of dementia. The first and most common is Alzheimer's disease. It's named after a Lewis Alzheimer. I'm definitely butchering that first name. And uh, this is what most people think of when they think of dementia. This is the classic case of dementia. is Alzheimer's dementia. It's the most common cause of dementia with, depending on the study, between 60 and 80% of cases of dementia being caused by Alzheimer's disease. Above the age of 65, 13% of people will experience Alzheimer's disease. Above the age of 85, 43% of people will experience Alzheimer's disease. So it's very common. Uh, usually takes place, the course of the disease usually goes about 8 to 12 years. And as we discussed before, it is a progressive disease. So it starts off with mild symptoms and mild uh, brain damage, as we'll get to in a second. And over the course of the disease, gets worse and worse. And again, there's no calendar for how it's going to get worse. So a person can be stable for a few months, a few years, and then there's a sudden decline. And then again, they're stable at that level for a few months, a few years, and then there's another decline, et cetera, et cetera. Now, there's no known cure for for Alzheimer's. And although it could lead to death, Alzheimer's usually does not lead to death, but it leads to complications that prove fatal. So often somebody with Alzheimer's dementia um, or Alzheimer's disease will experience um, increased risk for pneumonia, will experience increased risk for other illnesses that then lead to death as opposed to the actual Alzheimer's, but left alone, it can prove fatal. Alzheimer's disease starts with a decline in memory and language. And now it is important to note that as a person gets older, we do lose our ability to remember um and so forgetting things or even a slow memory are not definite signs of dementia, although they are linked to dementia. So a person with dementia will have these, but just because a person has these does not necessarily mean they have dementia. But it is the beginning. The beginning is a decline in memory and a decline in language. Uh, other symptoms includes forgetting that you're forgetting. So if a person forgets that they're having periods of forgetfulness, that is uh, a sign of Alzheimer's. Uh, forgetting the name of close family members or friends or not recognizing close family members or friends. Um, having confusion in unfamiliar situations. Often people are confused in unfamiliar situations, but uh, a pronounced confusion in unfamiliar situations. An inability to learn how to cope with new situations. These are all signs of early stage dementia. Later on, as the disease progresses, there can be personality chains, um, often extreme personality changes. Uh, there can be paranoia. There can be anxiety uh, and an inability to perform basic self-care. Uh, sometimes Alzheimer's can lead to hallucinations or delusions, difficulty with sleep. And something that I've uh, worked with families is helping people see that it's sometimes like someone new has taken over your parents' body. Uh, so for example, 
I often, and this is strangely enough, I've seen this a lot with soldiers, um, or, or specifically also with very orderly people, people that are very orderly and very clean their entire lives. One very pronounced behavioral change is they stop showering. They stop shaving. They stop showering. Uh, they stop taking care of their cleanliness. And it's one of those things that I hear families say all the time. This is not my father. Or this is not my mother. Uh, she would never, uh, want to, want to look like this. She's always so well put together. He always made sure that he was clean and well shaven, well dressed. And suddenly it's like a switch flipped. Um, that's some of the behavioral changes, um, or very prim and proper people often becoming inappropriate with inappropriate behaviors, inappropriate sexual behaviors or inappropriate speech. Uh, again, those are very often linked to behavior changes or personality changes due to Alzheimer's disease. Without going to the technical process of what the brain goes through during the course of Alzheimer's, um, the end result of Alzheimer's is that the brain shrinks, uh, parts of the brain die, parts of the brain shut down. And this is what's leading to the brain shrinking and, and breaking down, is what's leading to all these symptoms of forgetfulness, changes in behavior, and changes in personality, the confusion. Um, all of that is due to the brain shrinking. It's unclear what leads to Alzheimer's, not the actual process, but the cause that leads up to the process happening. There's a lot of theories. We're not going to get into them. And there are things that you can do that possibly delay or lessen the onset of Alzheimer's disease, but there's no definite cure and there's no definite prevention uh, for Alzheimer's. We really don't know how to stop it from coming on. But some things that can possibly lead to uh, preventing it or at least delaying Alzheimer's is uh, high thinking activities like chess, reading, learning a new language, anything that gets your brain working hard, a healthy diet and exercise, avoiding smoking. Um, basically, all the things you should be doing anyways are good things when it comes to preventing or delaying Alzheimer's. Once a person has been diagnosed with Alzheimer's, or, or rather once a person has Alzheimer's disease, there are drugs that may slow the process, but there are no known cures, and the drugs are not the same for everyone. So different people react to the drugs different ways. The second most common form of dementia is vascular dementia, and this is caused by an impaired blood flow to the brain. Uh, it's often from a stroke, but it could also be due to another cardiovascular disease, and it can come from complications from diabetes, from high blood pressure, from high cholesterol, from smoking. Uh, depending on the area of the brain affected, uh, symptoms of vascular dementia can include confusion and memory loss, a loss of concentration, a lot of times depression or apathy. Uh, again, executive functioning difficulties that we mentioned before. A lot of the symptoms we mentioned before for Alzheimer's disease are also present in vascular dementia. Also, a person might have difficulty walking or become restless. These are all symptoms of vascular dementia. When vascular dementia follows a stroke, it's pretty obvious what caused the dementia, or it's pretty obvious that the, the dementia has occurred. But uh, vascular dementia can also have gradual onset, like Alzheimer's. It's a progressive disease, so it could be sudden, following a stroke or a similar heart-related disease, or if it's complications from diabetes or from other heart diseases, it could be slow, progressive disease. Unlike Alzheimer's disease, the prevention is clearer because the causes are clearer. And although, again, not definite, and the prevention is similar to what we said for Alzheimer's. 
it's leading healthy and heart-friendly lifestyles. So low cholesterol, exercise, eating healthy, uh, low blood pressure, not smoking, not excessive drinking, all the things you should be doing anyways can help prevent or delay vascular dementia. The next type of dementia we're going to talk about is Lewy body dementia, and this is caused by abnormal protein deposits on the brain or Lewy bodies on the brain. And this accounts for between 50 and 25% of dementia cases. And like Alzheimer's, it's a progressive disease. And again, in addition to the usual memory and cognitive difficulties, some symptoms of Lewy body dementia that are, are a little different are visual hallucinations are more common. Movement disorder, similar to Parkinson's disease, are more common. A difficulty controlling the body functions and difficulty with concentration and attention are more common than in Alzheimer's. Um, also, depression and apathy, very common with Lewy body disease. There is no known cure for this type of dementia either. Another less common form of dementia is frontotemporal dementia or Pick's disease. And this is caused by damage to the front and side lobes of the brain. When the nerves in these brain lobes die, and then as the nerves die, the brain changes shape and the brain shrinks. And this change in brain shape and the shrinking of the brain is what leads to the symptoms of frontotemporal dementia. And even though it's rare, it's definitely more rare than Lewy body dementia, Alzheimer's, or, or vascular dementia, it is a more common form of dementia found among younger people with dementia, in this case, younger being uh, 65 and younger. So even though it's rarer among older people, among young people that have dementia, it is the either third or in some studies, the second most common form of dementia. And what makes this form of dementia different than the others that we've been discussing is that with frontotemporal dementia or Pick's disease, uh, it shows up less as a memory loss, although that does happen. That happens later on in the process. This is more a change in personality, a change in behaviors. You'll have more mood swings, a loss of empathy, the ability to connect with somebody else, a change in public behaviors, also difficulty in balance. And this is due to the damage that's going on in the front and side lobes, the frontal and temporal lobes of the brain. Again, with the other types of dementia we've discussed, there is no known cure, although the symptoms can be addressed maybe more easily than in the other types of dementia we've been discussing. I do want to point out, and I should have pointed this out earlier, that I am not a doctor. Um, this is just stuff that I've learned on the job, uh, through my education, uh, through my experience in working in nursing facilities. But if anybody is uh, experiencing symptoms of dementia or has a family member that is experiencing symptoms of dementia, please do not rely upon this podcast uh, alone or, or don't rely on it at all, but do seek medical help. Uh, do a, get it addressed by a doctor. Now, there are other less common types of dementia that are Parkinson's dementia and dementia is caused by head trauma, dementia is caused by Huntington's disease, by HIV. There's all different kinds of dementia, but the last one I want to talk about is not technically a dementia, but it's still called a dementia, and that is alcohol-related dementia. Uh, it's usually lumped in with the other dementias because it has similar symptoms, and this is dementia caused by brain damage that's caused by large alcohol intake. Either the alcohol intake itself is damaging the brain because alcohol is a poison that damages the brain. Alcohol will damage brain cells and it may cause the shrinking of brain tissue. 
And the other cause of alcohol-related dementia is deficiency in thiamine or vitamin B1. And thiamine is needed for normal brain functioning. It's one of the things that gives a person energy. Without it, a brain can't function well. And so the alcohol stops the body from producing that, causes a a thiamine deficiency in the body, which then affects the brain and causes alcohol-related dementia. So either the alcohol directly causes the dementia or the thiamine deficiency caused by the alcohol causes the dementia. And with alcohol-related dementia, there may or may not be memory loss, uh, which again, if there's no memory loss, it's not technically a dementia, but symptoms do include impulsivity, a lack of emotional control, again, lack of empathy, inappropriate behavior, poor planning and decision-making skills. So a lot of the same symptoms, loss, loss of balance, a lot of the same symptoms we see with the other dementias, you will see in alcohol-related dementia. It is important to point out that a person cannot be diagnosed with alcohol-related dementia until they've been sober and abstinent from alcohol for a few weeks because of the lingering effects of alcohol, of alcohol intoxication, and of alcohol withdrawal can cause similar symptoms to alcohol-related dementia. And if those symptoms clear up after a couple of weeks, then that's not alcohol-related dementia. It's just the alcohol leaving the person's system. Uh, Also, a side note, not technically related to this discussion, but if a person is uh, heavily dependent on alcohol, uh, medical attention should be consulted when they're they're getting sober, when they're uh, abstaining from alcohol, because unlike almost any other drug, if a person goes cold turkey from alcohol um, and they're very, very dependent, the addiction is very heavy and there's, there's a lot of intake, the cold turkey withdrawal can cause brain damage in and of itself and can even lead to death in and of itself. And so if a person is a heavy alcoholic and um, they are getting sober, uh, they should definitely be seeking medical attention. Unlike the other forms of dementia that we've been speaking about, alcohol-related dementia can have recovery. So depending on the stage of the disease, not only might there be a stop to the progression of the dementia, but there may even be a partial or even a full recovery. So treatment for alcohol-related dementia includes sobriety, obviously. Any alcohol intake can be catastrophic. So if a person is sober for for a while and their brain is starting to recover, as soon as they take in alcohol again, go right back to that brain damage. Abstinence, sobriety, very important. Healthy eating and living, talk therapy, communal support, family support, um, work-related support, so getting a job again if they're able to. These are all important parts of the treatment process, not for sobriety. Again, I'll be very clear. We're talking specifically about the recovery from the dementia aspect. Uh, the numbers are about a quarter of the people that experience alcohol-related dementia make very good or full recovery. About half make some recovery and still have an ability to live in the community, often with heavy support, and about a quarter need a long-term facility placement. So a quarter make very good to full recovery, half make some to decent recovery, and about a quarter need long-term facility placement. Most of the recovery that happens for alcohol-related dementia happens in the first three months of abstinence, the first three months of that alcohol, but recovery can continue for two or even three years uh, after a person stops drinking. And again, any drinking can have disastrous results.
If a person has been experiencing alcohol-related dementia and they're on the road to recovery, their recovery can easily be lost. And when I say recovery, I don't mean, again, sobriety recovery or 12-step recovery. I'm talking specifically about medical recovery from alcohol-related dementia can be undone by drinking. Unlike alcohol-related dementia, as we mentioned before, most dementias cannot be cured. Uh, Some types of dementia can be slowed to some extent with medication. Uh, The results are mixed. As I mentioned before, different people take well to the medication. Different people don't. Different types of dementia react well to different medications. Uh, Consult the doctor. Dementia care is mostly focused on addressing symptoms, managing behaviors, and managing and meeting emotional challenges. Because dementia is a very difficult disease to live through, and it's also difficult to live with somebody that has dementia in your family. If you have a family member with dementia, first of all, get educated. Get educated about, uh, you know, speak to a doctor, go online, find resources, get educated about what your family member is going through. Set realistic expectations for what um, the process will look like, what treatment can offer. There's a lot of information out there. Go and find it. Find supports in the community. If there are, find them. Depending on where you live, depending on the community that you belong to, find those supports. Uh, remember that there can be severe personality and behavioral changes to your family member. Don't take them personally. It's not within your loved one's control. As your loved one goes through those behavior changes and those personality changes, it can almost seem like they're not your loved one anymore. And that's very, very painful. The symptoms of dementia can be very annoying, including repetitiveness, repetitive questioning, having the same conversations again and again, impulsivity, uh, anxiety, fear, anger, irritability, all these things. And the side effects of a lack of self-care, the need for more physical care, these can be very hard and frustrating things to deal with. Remember, as you are working with your loved one, remember that the process is scary for them too. And one of the things that you see a lot of times with people with dementia is that, especially in the early parts of it, a person understands that something's happening to them, but doesn't have the brain capacity to understand what's happening to them. So they know they're going through changes, but their brain, because of the dementia, can't understand what those changes are or can't understand what's causing those changes. That's very scary. When a person's body and mind is working against them, it's a scary thing. And this fear, this anxiety can lead to frustration. It can lead to mood changes. It can lead to outlandish and attention-seeking behaviors. And so a lot of times when you see these things, remember the person is scared. One of the blessings of dementia is that as the disease progresses, the person no longer understands that they're going through the changes and they become less afraid. And so even though the disease is worse, the fear and the anxiety is less. And so if you are living with somebody that is going through dementia, or if you have a family member that is going through dementia or a close one, that is going through dementia. Setting up routines is very helpful for a couple of reasons. First off, setting up routines helps a person function better, but it also helps take away the anxiety and the fear because they know what's to expect and they know what's coming next. And that brings calm. 
encouraging safe independence is very important for two reasons. First of all, it helps with emotional regulation. A person feels good about themselves when they can do for themselves. And it helps with the disease progression that the more a person can do for themselves, often it helps slow down the process. So you want a person to do as much as they can for themselves and you want to encourage them to do it because often people with dementia need encouragement to do basic activities. But also, like we said before, you want to set up safe expectations. You want to set up realistic expectations. So you want to be encouraging while also being safe. In my experience, and, and I have no research on this, this is just what I've seen. As the disease of dementia progresses, people's pleasures become simpler. And this can actually be very frustrating for families because, uh, you know, people that used to have very sophisticated tastes are suddenly very happy with very simple things. And families see this as a loss of the person that they love, a change from the person they knew. It can be very painful and very frustrating. And I encourage people to view it as a gift, you know, while validating, yes, it is a change. Uh, it is also a gift because it gives new opportunities for families to join with and provide pleasure to their loved ones. And so simple things, even simple foods, activities such as coloring, things like listening to uh, simpler music um, are ways to join with your loved one, even if it's things that they did not appreciate in the past. And remember that even though there might be significant changes and there might be memory loss, this is still the person you love. And as hard as it may be, please find ways to enjoy their company. Seeing family members is often one of the greatest joys that those with dementia can experience. Even if past relationships are distant or difficult. So I've seen um, families that were had very dysfunctional relationships, very distant relationships. But as the parent went through the changes of dementia, and as children came to visit them, they rebonded. Because a lot of times that simpler person that the parent has become can connect to the children in a way that the more complicated person couldn't. And oftentimes children are able to forgive and let go of things that they've held on to many years because they see the changes in their parent, the decline in their parent. And finally, if you have a loved one going through dementia, especially a parent, it can be very emotionally and physically draining. So please be kind to yourself. Make sure that you have the support you need. Make sure you take care of yourself because you can't take care of your loved one if you're not functioning well yourself. And so if you lose patience, if you find yourself getting frustrated, if you find yourself getting exhausted, make sure to take care of yourself. Make sure to be kind to yourself and forgive yourself becoming frustrated. Forgive yourself for losing patience. It's normal. You can't take care of someone else. You can't love someone else if you don't take care of and love yourself. Thank you for taking the time to listen. I really appreciate it. Thank you to everyone that shares on social media and spreads the word of the podcast. I appreciate it in ways that I can't even express. A reminder to everyone that we do now have a merch store. Uh, you can find a link on the website as well as a link in the show notes. If you want to purchase your own Thoughtful Mind with C merch, we have two different designs, sweatshirts, t-shirts, bags, caps, etc. And until next time, go out, believe in yourself. Mm-hmm.